Hello and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast. I'm your host, Nick Galetti. On this episode, we are on the ninth in our series called the Basic Doctrine Series, and this is on the basic doctrine of commandments, which is kind of an interesting topic in light of all the principles that we've shared about what constitutes a doctrine. So let's go ahead and get into it before we have our interview with our guest, Scott Sorensen. This is what the church's website says about commandments. Commandments are the laws and requirements that God gives to mankind. We manifest our love for Him by keeping His commandments. Keeping the commandments will bring blessings from the Lord. The two most basic commandments are love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and love thy neighbor as thyself. The Ten Commandments are a vital part of the gospel and are eternal principles that are necessary for our exaltation. The Lord revealed them to Moses in ancient times, and he has restated them in Latter-day Revelations. Other commandments include praying daily, teaching the gospel to others, keeping the law of chastity, paying a full tithe, fasting, forgiving others, having a spirit of gratitude, and observing the word of wisdom. Here now is our interview with Scott Sorensen. We'd like to welcome our guest on this final in the Basic Doctrine series on Commandments. Our guest on this episode is Scott Sorensen. want to welcome Scott. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Nick. I'm really glad to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, and we say here, of course, we are still in the uh, COVID-19 quarantine procedures, so Scott is joining us via FaceTime, and uh, we're wonder- it's wonderful to have you with us. Scott is a uh, religious educator, and uh, he is a host a video series called Real Talk. It follows the Come Follow Me program, and he's also got a book, Come Follow Me, through the Book of Mormon, and we'll we'll talk about more of those things at the end of our interview. But uh, we want to talk about the basic doctrine of commandments, and this being essentially the ninth in our series of basic doctrines, signifying the difference between doctrines and practices. And this one's a little bit nebulous in some ways. So how what, how are commandments a doctrine? That's a great question, Nick. If I can say one thing first, though, uh, just to your listeners, if they, I, I just want them to know how, how appreciative I am of what you're doing with this doctrinal series. I've listened to all of the, all of the uh, podcasts that you've done, and they are fantastic. Well, thank you. Uh, they really do a great job. This is what, we, what we're trying to teach as a religious educator, what we're trying to help get across, and your, your guests have been fantastic, and I think what you're doing here is is incredibly beneficial to clarify uh, doctrine and allow people to feel the spirit of what God's trying to do with us. So anyway, I just wanted to say real quick that I really appreciate what well, you're doing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So as far as commandments being a doctrine is a great question. And like you said, this does get into some nebulous territory, and we'll probably get more into this. I think there's some divinity in not being overly definitive on some of these things throughout time, and we can talk about that. But I think just at, at its fundamental foundation level, uh, commandments are the laws and requirements that God gives to mankind. Uh, there are also ways that we manifest our love to our Father and the Savior. Um, so they're also an expression. They're a way to worship. They're a way to show gratitude and love. And they're also a way to align our lives with our Father in heaven and our Savior. So there's a very strong agency component to this that can't be understated. It it really is how we, living commandments is how we choose God's plan, His purpose, and His desire for us. We're saying we want the same thing you want. And so commandments are how we do that. Uh, It's been that way throughout all of Scripture. It was that way with Adam and Eve in the garden, out of the garden, and, and it's been that way all through the history of scriptures. And so I would say, you know, commandments are really an expression and a connection point, a way we align to have a relationship with God in a meaningful way. So uh, I don't think it can be understated. They're definitely doctrine. And, and in this particular case, it's doctrine because it is eternal. As you said, it's been taught since the beginning. Prophets continue to teach the necessity of commandments. And the most probably important part of this is that 
it pertains to our salvation because these are the laws and requirements that God gives us. Can you imagine being saved without them? I mean, it feels a little like there has to be requirements. There needs to be something, some structure set up to distinguish ourselves as someone that wants or chooses, as you've said, salvation. Yeah, Elder Renlund just gave a talk, um, I think it was last year, Abound with Blessings. I think it was in the April 2019 conference. And he talks about this thing. He talks about kind of those two extremes. One says that God loves us so much that he doesn't require anything. Well, if that's true, then what of agency, right? Like there's really no, there's really no place for us to choose anything. If God loves us so much, he overlooks everything and takes care of everything. Then really, there's really no purpose for mortality in that case. And then he says on the other extreme, this idea that God's already chosen the select few, kind of this predestination idea, and that they'll be saved regardless and that everyone else will not. And again, both of those two things put us in a position where our agency fundamentally is rendered almost useless as far as salvation is required, yeah. right? We get we can choose daily things, but the salvific nature of commandments and agency is really removed. And so, yeah, we've got to keep, agency is a key component in commandments for sure. Absolutely. In this particular case too, one of the things that I, I think is important to make a distinction of is the commandments themselves we, we need to have commandments. We need to live the commandments. What constitutes a commandment might change. So how can we differentiate between something that is a policy or practice type commandment versus something that is just the concept of commandments in general? How can we know what's salvific and eternal? Well, let's start with what is what are the ones that really haven't changed that have, that have stood the test of time? And those are, are at the very, very core, the heart of everything uh, that I would say they will never change, um, even throughout eternity, is the, the two great commandments, to love God with all of our hearts, might, mind, and strength. And this, you know, the second commandment is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So simply put, loving God and loving our fellow men, uh, those, those will never change. And I would say the Ten Commandments uh, seem to be similar through Scripture as well. Although they're introduced during Moses' time, it seems that what they teach, like, for example, keeping the Sabbath day holy. I mean, that was at the very beginning of, or at the very beginning of mortality as far as creation, right? It's the seventh day of creation. And so even things like keeping the Sabbath day holy and the law of chastity, um, being honest, like I, I would say the Ten Commandments and the two great commandments are really the, the central, the core doctrine of commandments. The way that those are lived gets adjusted over time, um, but the but those I I believe are really kind of at the core of what we're talking about. Everything feeds back to at least one of, if not both, of the two great commandments, and same with the Ten Commandments. I think all of our I don't know if you would call them policy uh, commandments that adjust over time. They all feed back to the Ten Commandments and the two great commandments. Yeah, and I've even heard. Someone divided up. I think it was uh, Stephen Harper that I talked to at one point uh, that he said that if you take the first, I think, four commandments, mm -hmm. that's really an explanation of how we love God. We have no other gods before him. We worship him on the Sabbath day and so on. And then the others are how we love our fellow man, that they're really expressions of still those two very fundamental, basic, great commandments to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. So, even then, you could say that they're kind of just parsing each other out. So, yeah, definitely, those are are certainly core. Yeah, I've I've heard Stephen Harper talk about that, and I found that argument to be very compelling. Even taking the Ten Commandments and saying they're really just extensions of the first two. Yeah, and so um, I love I, I that really resonates with me. I love the I, the fundamental idea of everything goes back to our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with other people. Yes. That really resonates with me. I loved it when, when he taught that. So we're in a situation though, we still have a, this distinction that needs to be made. And one of the more, I, I guess, difficult distinctions that, that some people have had to wrestle with is something like the word of wisdom, which we know was originally not given by way of commandment, but is now. And so there are also things within that that some people tend to interpret 
in, in how one is to live that uh, commandment. And that can be part of the challenge here as we go forward and try and teach this basic doctrine of the commandments when we have something like the word of wisdom. In what other ways is the word of wisdom maybe one of the more complex ways to navigate this issue? Well, I think it's because we we have, you know, at the beginning of DNC 89, where it's, where it's given, the Lord talks about how it's, um, it's given by a principle with promise, and it's adapted to the capacity of the weak. You know, he goes on and says that. And then um, I believe it's in verse 4, he talks about that it's in consequence of the evil and designs which do and will exist in the hearts of conspiring men in the last days. So I give a, a warning and a forewarning. And so there's some kind of framework there, but it's not necessarily definitive. There's not a an overtly like this is exactly why I'm doing this. I think we could we would assume in the case of some of the, you know, the the aspects of the word of wisdom, like in relation to alcohol and al- alcoholism. You know, there's some ways we can look out and observe in the world and say, yeah, I can see why, you know, God do- wants us to stay away from alcohol and so on. But then when you get into like coffee and tea and some of the others, it's not, it's not definitively explained as to why, especially in the don'ts. And so some of them, I think we, we get, we may not agree with, but we kind of, we, we can look in and observe in the world and say, I understand that. But others are less, they're, they're just maybe the better way. They're more ambiguous as to why we, we should, or why we should embrace uh, certain things we bring into our bodies and why we shouldn't. And so there is definitely ambiguity in there. And I mean, I have conversations, I'm sure you have as well, with, with very devout members of the church who view this very, very differently um, in, in what it means with, you know, we get into you know, energy drinks and, and soda and stuff like that. And some people feel very strongly being more orthodox with this and others don't. And so it's it's a fascinating commandment in the sense that there's really not as much explanation maybe as we would want. Well, and that's kind of the interesting differentiation here and why I think that the word of wisdom is so curious because at first it was given again with a a principle, with a promise, but not Mm -hmm. a commandment, which made it feel a little like it wasn't, and I'm going to go ahead and put this in air quotes, it wasn't required of us to do it. Whereas now that it's a commandment, it is something that God has said, this is more important or this is more relating to whether or not you are worthy, if that's the right word, or but that, that there's more consequences to it other than something that feels less optional. And I think in that respect, that's where there's some confusion that, that rests in the minds of many people as to what extent uh, commandments matter. And, and mm-hmm. so the, the question or the, the thing that I kind of want to help address is the idea that even if something is a commandment now and wasn't before, what changes as far as our willingness to follow it? I think, uh, well, I don't think, I would say it would, it, it's determined, this is where we get to modern revelation. Uh, because when it was given to Joseph, this was, you know, this was a, a principle with a promise uh, meant to help, like it said, the weaker of saints. It seems to be those who had more of a propensity to break the word of wisdom to try and help lift them out of some difficulties that that this might have caused. And you and we know that in the more extreme cases, uh, when when alcoholism and drug addiction and stuff like that are involved in are a major part of relationships, that can be. Re- I mean, you talk about having a hard time with. I mean, it, it can be really damaging in in relationships. And we can, and we can observe and see that. But I would say over time, as prophets have emphasized this to the point where it is now, where not only is it emphasized, it's on the, it's one of our temple recommend questions. I, that's really where I would go is, okay, now we need to look at how are current prophets emphasizing or not emphasizing some of these commandments that haven't always existed. And the word of wisdom is a great example that it has been very much emphasized in our day. And so even though it's, it's a very recent in, in Scripture, it's a very recent commandment, it's a very new commandment, um, it is not one that we should take lightly as if it's lesser than some of the others. And so I would say following prophetic counsel and focus and priority when it comes to the word of wisdom is extremely significant because of how much it's been emphasized. And I would add to that. Because I, I, I totally agree. I would add to that the idea that 
Just because something may be in effect temporarily does not make it any less important to God. The fact that we have callings for temporary periods of time do not mean that they are any less divine or that they have any less value in the eyes of God. It just simply means that this is how we are being directed to live at this time. And in this particular case, again, the difference being commandments in general, we are required to keep commandments, but what qualifies as a commandment and when may change. That does not mean that our relationship to those commandments should change. Uh, it just means that our relationship to our the, the commandment giver is different. And that's an interesting concept that I would like to explore a little further with you. In, in what sense are commandments relational? Oh, in every sense. Like, uh, this is one of the ones I think we get wrong. I think we look at commandments, uh, uh, I would say, well, let me use my own experience. I remember one time we were, I was tracting uh, back when we knocked on doors as missionary. I know there's still some of that, but I remember knocking on doors one day. It was in the middle of the day and we knocked on this door and a guy about our age, he was in his early 20s, opened the door and he and his immediate expression was excitement, which, you know, isn't common. And then he just blurted out. He's like, I dated one of you guys before. And we're like, wait, what? And he goes, no, I dated a member of your church and we just broke up recently. And so we started talking to him about the church and he was really fun to talk to. And he talked about, you know, the, the young single adult activities and the hot dogs and the park, you know, going to the park and playing games and, and just going to church and all that stuff. And we we're having some fun with it. And, and one of us asked him, well, what did you actually think about the church? And he said this to me, and I have, this is like seared into my mind. He said, the best way I can describe your church is there's too many rules and not enough sinning. And we all kind of laughed at that, right? We were like, yeah, that's funny. And as I walked off his porch, I was like, do you know what? I think I feel that way a lot of times. You know, as a 19, 20 year old, I think, you know, especially as a teenager, that there's just too many rules and not enough sinning. I think that reflects a more transactional approach to commandments, that, that they're a way that we get something we want, but that they also feel kind of restricting, like they're taking away our freedom and so on. Whereas look at the f- two great commandments. They're, they're deeply relational. Love God with all of your heart, might, mind, and strength. That's a totally different thing than, hey, come to God when you need an answer to a prayer and he'll give it to you. Kind of like you're buying an answered prayer off the shelf as a product, you know, and so God's the transaction between you and getting the answer that you want to your prayer. Rather, it's this having a, a relationship where you can feel guided and loved by a loving Heavenly Father and, and so on. And so I would say, and then the second great commandment, of course, it's relational. It's loving our neighbors, treating people with kindness and compassion and love non, and, and not condemning people for situations that they're in but wrapping our arms around them. And so it's obvious that they're relational, but sometimes, but I think too often we, I don't know if we teach them this way, but we teach them like, well, a little bit too much of the, if I do this, then we'll, then God will give me this, which the scriptures do. They teach it that way. But I think sometimes we misinterpret that to think, well, if I want an answer to a prayer, then I need to read my scriptures 30 minutes a day instead of 15 minutes a day. And then somehow I'm going to earn the answer to that prayer or yes. I'm going to earn a healing blessing. And, and that's not, that's not what those if thens are meant to do. They're meant to teach us how to align our will with God's so God can give us maximum help and assistance and healing in the situations that we're in. But he's the one that gets to determine what that is because healing isn't always, um, in taking something away like Joseph Smith in Liberty Jail. When Joseph prayed, you know, God, where are you? God wasn't like, all right, well, prison walls will crumble like I've done in the past, and you guys will all walk out free men. That wasn't the healing that God gave. The healing is peace be unto thy soul. Thine adversity and thine afflictions will be a small moment. God gives Joseph peace and perspective, and then he promises him that this isn't going to be forever. That's what really provided healing in that moment not just taking the prison walls down to the ground so they could be freed. Yeah. And so God gets to determine what the healing is, but our commandment, keeping commandments, aligns us so that he can do that according to his, his wisdom and his will. But if, if we're not keeping the commandments, then it's, it, it makes it very difficult for him to do those things. 
And in the situation like what you just said with Joseph in the Liberty Jail, why Joseph was experiencing those things and why he wasn't removed from prison could be something as much as uh, Heavenly Father and Jesus wanted him to know what it felt like to be in prison because he would soon minister and lead the ministry to people in spirit prison. And we don't know if there is some connection there. Our vision of why we are given the situations and circumstances in life are really hard for us to know in the moment. And so these commandments, whatever they might be and however we might be needing to have a relationship with them, they really are about who we are to become, who we are, mm-hmm. who we are choosing to be, and less about a checklist of items so that we, you know, if I do this, 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 and this, God can't be mad at me. That doesn't seem like why we would have those, but I can see that as being kind of a dominant thought with a lot of religions, um, at least Christian-based religions, where they view God as someone who has a set of criteria that you have to meet in order to stay in his good graces. And and we see them differently. We see them as the method by which we can become more like God, and and, and rather than being, you know, these, these restrictive things. So um, you served a mission, right? Yes. Where did you serve a mission? Detroit. Detroit, Michigan. And when you taught the principle of commandments to people on your mission, what were some of the challenges that you faced in trying to share the, the necessity or the principle of commandments? I think what I, what I, what I discounted was I, ne- I, should, I wish I would have spent a little bit more time talking about people's life experience and how they have experienced a fallen world. Like, what are some of the things that have gone on in your life that have caused you to feel legitimately broken and wounded, that have really broken your heart over time? What is, what's really gone on? And then what's helped with that? I wish I would have spent a little bit more time on their experience because the people that I asked more questions of their life experience, what do you really want? You know, what do you feel like God has in store for you? What do you believe about him? What he wants for his children? To really bring to to light their life experience and then teach commandments, what I think was when I did that better, it was much more effective because they saw God as a loving being who wants what's best for them, not as a an arbiter of law, a dictator of law that's there to enforce, you know, a bunch of kind of just slaves, for lack of a better term, people who are just following to follow. Like God has no interest in, in that. He has an interest in, in bringing to pass our immortality and eternal life. And so I would say, uh, those who I, who I started off by talking about experience with, how is, how have you experienced God? Um, where have you been frustrated? Just to talk a little bit more about that and then go into commandments. Uh, those were always significantly more effective discussions. Yeah, I like that because it gives you a chance for, or it gives them a chance to open up to the possibility that God isn't exactly who they may have thought he was. Yeah. And, and you can introduce this true concept of God, someone who is more relational, who loves us individually and specifically. And, and instead of just, you're another one of the people that I've given these rules to yeah. do it or don't do it, you know? To your own peril kind of idea. <laughs> yeah. If you don't, you just won't be in with me. You'll be somewhere else. I mean, that's not, I mean, can you imagine God being that flippant about relationships with his children? It's not, it doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Jesus is not the bouncer to heaven. He's not trying to, <laughs> oh he's not trying to keep people in or out based on a certain criteria that, that, yeah. that I, I hope that doesn't sound too, too jovial, but th- that's sometimes how we do view it. And, and mm-hmm. in that sense, I, I guess there are challenges that we have as missionaries in trying to teach the concept of commandments to people that are perhaps not even of a Christian faith. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, sometimes I think we we need to avoid introducing items of, of teaching that aren't entirely correct, where we feel that we have to invent a new way to address the topic of commandments and, and to, to sell commandments. So what what are some of the ways that we might need to avoid teaching commandments? I would definitely take your ego out of it. I have found when I wanted to sound smart, I ended up really making more of a mess. And I do that even now. Sometimes I just, we get in these modes where it's like, let me show you all the things I know and what I've been contemplating. Uh, for example, with the word of wisdom, we could, you know, 
especially when you're teaching investigators, the last thing that you want to get into is the nuance between is, is caffeine the problem that we need to address rather than the principle of as we keep the word of wisdom, what kind of a relationship, how does that enhance our relationship with the people around us and with our Father in heaven, you know, especially with our Father in heaven and how he speaks to us? Because that's really the emphasis the prophets have put on recently about obeying the word of wisdom is being able to hear the voice of God more clearly in our lives. And so talking about if I live this commandment, what difference does it make in my relationships is a lot better than than trying to get into the nuance and kind of this a little more egocentric, let me show you how much I know, especially when it comes to those who really don't, even though they claim Christianity, but don't have a lot of knowledge yet about what that really means. And so the direction that I would take that is show, and I would say this with anyone, we have got to be better at showing people the nature and attributes of Jesus Christ and our Father in heaven in the scriptures, showing them what are they, what are these beings like, and why is God someone who's actually worth our worship? I use the example of my wife. My wife is an amazing person. She may be one of the most relationally centered people I know where she gets this relationship concept just inherently that relationships are what this life is about, but I don't worship my wife. So what is it about God that's worth worshiping where someone incredible in my life isn't? I would say for a lot of this, when you teach commandments or when you're teaching in general, I would encourage missionaries to be very, very sound. Just start with one biblical story in the New Testament or in the Gospels about who Christ is that teaches you his attributes and character and start teaching people that way. Like what if you started off a a discussion on commandments about a woman taken in adultery? If you're going to teach chastity and talk about this was a woman who's struggling to live the law of chastity, obviously, how does Christ view this woman and how does he view her disobedience right now? And notice how he builds her up. He defends her. It's not about that she's worth less in his eyes, that her level of what she can contribute isn't any less. What Jesus does is he edifies this woman. He defends her. It's never a question about her worth. It's just a question about, okay, maybe she doesn't understand some things that she could understand. Okay, then how does Jesus interact with her? How does he silence the crowd? And how does he help her to focus on maybe something she hasn't realized? And as she has an experience with the Savior who tells her, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to give you some course correction. And then Joseph Smith, the Joseph Smith translation, he, of course, adds, after this interaction, the woman glorifies God from that hour and believes on his name. Do you think she's much more likely now to live the law of chastity than she was before? Of course. Why? because she had a meaningful experience with the Savior. And so you talk about, well, what does that tell you about Christ? And what does that tell you about how he views the way we obey and disobey commandments? And I think starting off with stories like that from his life, uh, you could do the same thing in 3 Nephi 11, is also extremely powerful, and 3 Nephi 17, and so on, how he interacts with people. What is Jesus really like? And then talk about, okay, so then why do we keep commandments? I think that's significantly more impactful. Yeah. If someone knows who Jesus is, they're much more likely to keep commandments of someone they love. We're all the same way. So the more we get to know him, the more we get to know him correctly as not, like you said, a bouncer, someone who's like, you know, nope, sorry, you missed out, you know, because you didn't keep the word of wisdom exactly the way you should have. Um, He's not doing that. He's much more relational and how he approaches us. So anyway, my point is, is get to the nature of Jesus Christ and show people that in the gospels and also third Nephi 11, I think is a, you can do that in a huge way in the beginning part of third Nephi 11. Who is this savior? What does he want for these people? What does he want for us? Okay. Now, why would we live the law of chastity? Why would we live the law of the fast, the law of the you know, tithing and so on. It establishes relationship before it establishes requirement, which I think is a is is how Jesus teaches in the scriptures. Yeah, it's much more inviting, and and I it's interesting too because we're we're always faced with this um, I, I don't know target 
of baptism, if that's the right way to say it. Uh-huh. And, and we're given a series of worthiness questions that are, in essence, are you keeping the commandments? That There's more to it than that, obviously. But as missionaries, we sometimes have that because baptism's our goal, we need to get them to live a certain way in order to get them to that point. So there's this image we have of behaviors rather mm-hmm. than relationships and and how they feel towards God and their dedication to doing what God says. And I, I want to share a brief story. I normally don't interject myself so much in interviews, but there was a very defined experience on my mission with a member of our mission presidency that uh, I want to share because I think it's an example of this. I was a district leader and I was there at the chapel and we were we had established a time for a member of the mission presidency to do an interview with this individual who had been struggling with the word of wisdom, particularly with smoking. This individual actually came to the interview and sat in the parking lot in his van smoking. And so me and the missionaries that were teaching him were already like, all right, when can we reschedule (laughs) the interview and the baptism? Because we just figured it was a no-go. The member of the mission presidency interviewed him, came out of the interview and said, looks like we're good to go. We'll hold the baptism this Saturday as scheduled. And we had told him prior to going into the interview, He just so you know, he's been smoking out in the van. And uh, he said words that I still remember, this man has a repented spirit. He wants to live the word of wisdom. That takes time, as does all the commandments. What greater tool can we give him than to be baptized and have the gift of the Holy Ghost to help him overcome his addiction? So in that moment, now that may not be true for everybody or every situation, and the Spirit will certainly direct. But in that particular case, it taught me this principle that where his heart was, was a baptized, repentant individual, someone who loved God and wanted to keep the commandments. We sometimes go into these baptismal interviews thinking that they are going to be, they need to be perfect. They need to keep every commandment in every way to exactness before we can have them be baptized. And and that's just not fair. It's not realistic and it's not the plan of salvation. But I, I share that as one example of where sometimes we as missionaries view the commandments, in this case, the word of wisdom, sometimes chastity was such a transactional thing that we miss the, the spirit of it, as you've pointed out, and, and, and done a wonderful job with that. I really appreciate it. Are there any other ways in which we might want to avoid teaching commandments a certain way? Uh, I definitely think the transaction, I, I think we've talked about it a little bit. I call it hostage negotiating. If I do this, God, then you're going to do this for me. I, I don't. I, that's one way I would steer clear of commandments. You know, this idea of I'm not doing that. You know, we do this all the time. I'm not looking at pornography. I'm not, you know, swearing. I'm not doing this. Therefore, God bless me. You know, with that, that I'll find someone to get to, to marry. And that's that. That kind of negotiating with God by using our commandments as leverage is very, very transactional. Again, it goes back to it almost objectifies the Son of God to where the best analogy I've heard is kind of, we turn him into a vending machine. Yeah, the blessings vending machine. Yeah, if I put in sixty-five cents then I get a pack of gum, right? I hit D3 and that's what it gives me. And that's that's one of the ways we miss commandments is kind of this hostage negotiating. The other one is, is just simply that commandments do not restrict agency. They unleash its divine power. Commandments are not restricting. You look at Christ again, his nature, he is a commandment keeper. How does Jesus feel about commandments? I mean, he says it right when he comes to the people in America, when, when the Father introduces him. He tells them when Jesus comes down he, in 3 Nephi 11, these are doctrinal mastery verses, verses 10 and 11. He says, I'm Jesus Christ, whom the prophets testified. And then he says, I'm the light and the life of the world. And then he goes on and says how he feels about commandments. I have drunk out of the bitter cup which the Father hath given me and have glorified the Father in taking upon me the sins of the world in the which I've suffered the will of the Father in all things from the beginning. I don't picture the Savior's tone being that of, geez, God asked a lot. This has been really hard. 
He really restricted, I wish I could have done more as a mortal. He never says anything like that. He looks, he says, I did this to glorify God. I loved keeping his commandments. And my way of keeping the commandments was providing a way for everyone to be saved. And I'm willing to suffer that so I can be in alignment with God. Jesus knew that living commandments created the deepest connection with his father. And so that's why he keeps commandments is because it's it's not restricting his relationship with God. It's unleashing its full power. And for us, we just we grow into that over time. We don't just automatically become aware of it. But how are we becoming aware of it unless we experience it? And so sometimes I just think we we kind of get that that wrong as well, is that we just look at it as it's restricting agency. Really, it's unleashing the power of relational agency with our Father in heaven. One of the best, and we'll talk just real quickly in relationship, for example, to my wife. It is very, I keep the law of chastity now. Now, at the beginning of our marriage, I may have looked at it differently. But now, I look at the law of chastity as an expression of love to my wife. I keep it because I love her, because I'm grateful for the relationship, because I don't want to hurt her. And then um, same thing with, you know, not bearing false witness, being truthful and honest with her. I don't do that because it's a commandment from God per se anymore. I do it because I know the depth of our relationship uh, becomes deeper and more fulfilling, the more truthful I am with her, even when the truth is something that I'm really struggling with that might hurt her in the short term, but being honest with her in the long term is healing and provides depth in the relationship that I want. Like I want to keep those commandments specifically in my marriage relationship because they unleash its potential, its fullness and its depth. Yeah. I love that. That's wonderful. And you know, it's interesting when you talk about transactional stuff, I, I know that there have been things like keeping the law of tithing, mm-hmm. the, the commandment to pay tithes. And some people, and, and, and admittedly, we see story after story after story, and it makes it really hard to say that this isn't accurate. But we often hear people say, oh, I'm having a financial hard time and I've received a blessing because I paid my tithe. Mm-hmm. And I personally feel that sometimes that's a distortion of the scripture that talks about there is a law irrevocably decreed in heaven and all the blessings that we get are based on keeping a law, people see this as a transactional situation where it's, I kept the law of tithing, that involves money, therefore I will get a blessing of money, Mm -hmm. uh, and so on. And I, I think that that's not fair because I have seen people pay tithing and lose their job. I have seen people keep the law of chastity and have a spouse cheat on them. I have seen Mm -hmm. all sorts of ways in which that isn't true, but we often speak of it that way. And I wonder if sometimes we don't set up false expectations that become very transactional when we do that. When we talk about, I got money because I I paid tithing, that connecting those two things can can almost be damaging to some people because then they begin to think, well, that didn't happen for me. So I must be wrong. I must be this horrible person unworthy of God's love and blessings. And so that that's one area that I think I've seen, not just missionaries, but a lot of people teach uh, this transactional idea with commandments that they can be very damaging if we're not if we're not careful. Well, and if let me say it, just one quick word on tithing, because I completely agree with you, Nick, without getting too personal, I have out of maybe all of the commandments, I have resented tithing because of that more than any other. And I hate to say it that way, but I, let me just be honest with you. Sometimes I pay tithing just because it's it's a commandment. But I, over the years, it is it's been a tough one for me. But let me let me just say this: tithing, and this is one commandment we get wrong. Is just, and this is a side note, and it's a longer discussion for another day. But sometimes we get this false notion that the saints couldn't keep the law of consecration or early in the eighteen, you know, thirties and forties, and so God took it away and instead gave them the lower law of tithing, which is not true at all. Not true at all. Yeah, the law of tithing. Go to the temple in the endowment and tell me that the law of consecration is done away with. Like, <laughs> it's right. the opposite in the temple, right? It's one of the co- one of the covenants we make. Tithing is a piece of how we consecrate financially. But consecration is significantly more than tithing. Tithing is a portion that's been defined 
for us as a, as a, a 10% of our, of our increase because of DNC 119, because the saints were asking what it meant uh, specifically. And so God gave an answer to that question, but it's, it's a reflection of consecration. And so it's, it even goes to a larger, it, it's, it's about a consecrated person. And the reason I bring that up is let me give you a scripture that if we interpret this correctly, we get, we, we get this idea. It's Mosiah 2.41, and a lot of us know this one. Yeah. Uh, I would desire that you should consider, so King Benjamin telling his people, I want you to consider or observe uh, the blessed and happy state of those that keep the commandments of God. For behold, they're blessed in all things, both temporal and spiritual. And if they hold out faithful unto the end, they are received into heaven, that thereby they may dwell in God in a state of never-ending happiness. Oh, remember, remember that these things are true, for the Lord God has spoken it. We can use that verse transactionally really well, like you just said. But it says, I want you to consider the blessed and happy state. The word state is important. It's condition. It's the condition of those people that they felt blessed all the time. It doesn't guarantee blessings of prosperity. It's just saying they were blessed internally. They were in a condition of happiness and blessedness, if I could even say it, uh, because they kept the commandments of God. Those people surely had financial troubles. They surely had crop that didn't come the way that it should have or like their neighbors. They surely dealt with struggles moving forward. If they didn't, they wouldn't have need, had a reason to, to rely on the Savior if everything went the way that they always wanted it to go. The thing is, is while they were obedient, it changed their being so that they lived in a state of happiness. And so even though they may not have had very much, they were still grateful for what they had. Yeah. And even though they may not, everything wouldn't have worked out the same way. Obviously, people still died tragically in their day. Even though things happened that way, they still lived in a blessed and happy state because living the commandments changed their nature so that they lived in that continually, even though things wouldn't have worked out the right way. So to your point with tithing, I think that's another scripture that if we're not careful, we'll turn it into a transaction rather than into a, what can God do with me? How can he change me if I live the commandments in a meaningful way where I want to align my will with his? Yeah. And I, I look at the, the scripture, you know, DNC 82, you know, I, the Lord am bound when you do what I say and that sort of thing where people, again, it's it's very easy to get into this transactional state of mind where I'm doing this because I need the blessings. And while that's not necessarily an evil thing to do, I just don't think that that's at the heart of why we have commandments. And and so to, to get to some of these other ones, there's like the basic doctrine section of the website says that forgiving others mm-hmm. is a commandment. And And why? Why is that a commandment? You know, when you start to ask those questions – of why is praying daily a commandment? Why is teaching the gospel to others a commandment? Isn't that their responsibility to to deal with their own spirituality and you know th- that sort of thing? That if you ask the question why and mm-hmm. and you strip it of its transactional component, it's always again it goes back to loving God and loving our neighbor. Mm-hmm. No matter what you look at, no matter what He asks of us as a quote unquote commandment, it will come back to those two things. No, and I and I love that you brought up forgiving others because this goes back to that idea of experience again. If you have experienced um, in a meaningful way the Savior forgive you, if you have felt like God has genuinely forgiven you, how much more likely are you to then extend forgiveness to others? So if we can experience these things, we stop trans, we stop um, turning commandments into transactions and more into relations. Because we're much more likely to forgive other people, the more we'll ex- the more we experience forgiveness from our Father in heaven. I mean, look at Enos. Look at the way what he was willing to look past with the Lamanites. He poured out his soul for years, decades. God, please help these people that probably weren't super awesome to him, even in his own family. And so he knows what this is like, but he's still praying for his enemies. Why? Because he knows that he's worth saving because he's experienced it. And if you know you're worth saving, eventually you come to the realization, so is everybody else. And so all it is is just a matter of helping to facilitate experience. And the more experience we can facilitate and allow people to feel the spirit of Christ 
and or the Spirit, you know, the Holy Ghost, the more likely they are to keep commandments for the right reasons. But I don't think we can, it's hard to keep commandments for the right reasons when we aren't experiencing them ourselves. So before we end, let's uh, let's do a quick little introduction to some of the things that you're doing and that you will continue to do, because um, these are great resources for missionaries who are trying to uh, study the gospel mm-hmm. and even families. So you you are involved in a couple projects. Let's first talk about your book and, and what kind of resource that is for people. Yeah, so my book, it's called Real T- uh, Come Follow Me Through the Book of Mormon, excuse me. And all it is is it, it's basically a, a more multi- <laughs> experiential approach to studying the scriptures. I think sometimes we think when prophets say, you know, read the scriptures every day, which is a commandment, right? We've talked about that. That's one that's not going away. It's always been and seems to be through mortality, always will be. Uh, but how we do that, I think we're not as creative as we could be. A lot of us are like set a timer for 10 minutes or 15 minutes and we just read. And I would, the reason I put this book together is to give families um, and individuals uh, more ways to experience the scriptures other than just reading them for 10 or 15 minutes, where you can go through. I, I've, I've put in a ton of questions about to, to bring out curiosity. Like, for example, what does King Benjamin teach us about how to access God's power? And as you go through Mosiah 2, what are some of the things we need to believe and need to do in order to access the power of God. Because that's what King Benjamin understands maybe better than anyone in the Book of Mormon, is how to find, that's why he's such a great king. He gets power, and it's by empowering individuals. And so it's things like that, is is looking at the scriptures in a way more out of curiosity and observation to put you in a space where the Lord can teach you what you really need. I put a bunch of, there's QR codes in there that you can scan with your phone, that will take you to church videos that can help kind of increase uh, your experience with certain scriptures, see them in a different way. Um, and then there's also little object lessons, activities, stuff like that you can do with your family to create some variety. The biggest thing I want with my book, and it's the biggest goal I have with my scripture study as a family, I don't want my kids in life to look at scriptures and think chore or task. Yes, I want them to look at the scriptures as... That's where I can go to get something meaningful because the, that I, when my heart is broken and things aren't going my way, that's a place I can go to feel something that's otherworldly, that's deeper than what this world can give me. It's something that I can go to where I can find my Savior, I can find a loving God, and I can find things that I can do that will make a difference in my life. So anyway, that's really what my book is meant to do. It's meant to really make the scriptures relevant and a spiritual experience so God can teach you directly. Awesome. And you also do Real Talk with Gainalyn uh-huh. Condi, and people can find that where? You can find it. It's just Real Talk. Come follow me. It's on Facebook. We have a group. You can. It's the same thing on Instagram, and we also have a YouTube channel that's just Real Talk. Come follow me. So this is where you follow the lessons for that week or weeks and and go through and have a little discussion, but it's it's very down to earth. It's very approachable. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is there's so many people that do great, that have come great come follow me resources. What we're not trying to do is make it like a, a classroom setting because a lot of other people do that beautifully. And so like why try and do what they're already doing so well? So really it's supposed, to, we're trying to keep it under 20 minutes. And it's just short, and our focus is on really hyper-relevant things. Like what does, um, for example, First Nephi 16, Nephi breaks his bow. Uh, one, one time I was unemployed, and I was reading through, and I'm like, you know, kind of a little snarky. Like, everyone says you can find an answer to any question in the Book of Mormon. Let's see if God can get me a job. Well, I get to First Nephi 16, and it hits me when Nephi breaks his bow, he lost his ability to provide for his family. That's unemployment. What Nephi was feeling was exactly what I was feeling. That feeling of, man, did I, did I blow it? Like, I'm not doing what, you know, like all of those just broken feelings that many of us have gone through. So first Nephi 16 to me is how did, how does God work with us through unemployment? And we have Leahonas that we can rely on. And that little phrase, by small and simple things or great things brought to pass, is when that's introduced, when Mormon actually introduces that in the Book of Mormon. 
that taught me there were some very small, simple things I could do every day that made a huge difference that kept my mind right, kept me motivated so that eventually I got a job. It took six months, but eventually I got a job, but it kept my mind out of some really self-destructive darkness. And so for me, if someone comes to me and says, hey, how do I deal with being unemployed? I'm like, dude, first Nephi 16. So it's really meant to be much more relevant and hyper-focused on specific situations that we go through right now. So we'll put links to those things in the show notes for this episode at ldsmissioncast.com and on the posting for this on our social media. But we want to encourage you all to check those things out. But again, thank you, Scott, for coming on and talking to us about this basic doctrine of the commandment and hopefully helping us reframe it in a way that uh, will be, I don't want to say more palatable to those investigating the church, but to get more to the the heart of what Christ is trying to get us to do. And I think that will bring more power to the things that we teach. Absolutely. Can I say one more thing about it, Nick? Absolutely. That I feel is useful. I say this a lot, and, um, and, and it sounds basic, but it's really profound. Hard commandments are hard to keep because they are hard. And going back to your investigator story, which I'm so glad you brought that up, the law of chastity is a hard commandment to keep. The word of wisdom for, for a lot of people is hard to keep. When you look through the Book of Mormon, hard commandments are usually surrounded by a lot of failed attempts at keeping those commandments. For example, Nephi getting the plates. There were attempts he made that didn't work out. The reason why I want to bring that up is we have got to be a lot, a little bit more compassionate about how other people struggle with keeping commandments that might be easy for us but that can be really hard for them. Tithing might be one of those as well. And know that there's built-in failure, and the Savior seems, at least in the Book of Mormon, he seems okay that sometimes we fall short with keeping really difficult commandments. I think if we keep that perspective, we'll be a little bit easier, we'll be a little bit more kind to ourselves and less judgmental of others. Yeah, thank you very much for sharing that. And and again, we really appreciate all of our listeners who stay tuned through our entire Basic Doctrine series. We will put links to the other episodes in this series also in the show notes. But thank you again, Scott, for coming on and sharing your insights. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast. This is the conclusion in our Basic Doctrine series. This episode has been on commandments. We want to encourage you to visit the show notes for the posting of this episode at ldsmissioncast.com to see links to all the previous episodes in this series. I want to encourage you to go back and listen to these episodes in order because they, they build on one another. They help feed information from one episode to the next that may help spark something in you on how to better teach these basic doctrines that we've been commanded to teach to the world. Stay tuned for other future episodes of the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast by staying subscribed in iTunes, on Spotify, or on Stitcher. We would love to hear from you. If there's topics or things that you would like to see covered, please reach out to us on our social media page or at our website. Thank you very much.